0: And welcome back, fourth and Long fans. It's your footy correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess here, back with another AFLW round review, Ladies and gentlemen, as you can see on the YouTube video, a very good friend of the podcast, Mr. Gil Griffin, coming to us all the way from California Grill. It is great to see you again, sir.
1: Good to be back with you, too. How, uh, how snowy is Iowa right about now?
0: Uh, about an inch now uh, there for a while we thought we were going to get some more but thankfully good old jet stream has pushed that away so it's just it's just going to be cold so mother nature is 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 not being nice to us Des Moines roosters here we're not going to be able to get onto the track for probably at least another couple of weeks when it comes to it we still got some fresh snow on the ground but I don't know about you I think we are here to talk some AFLW and a cracking round of footy with some records dropping this week so let's jump right in to it we'll jump right off off the bat as the St. Kilda Saints get their second win of the season as they get the nine point win over the Geelong Cats, 18 to nine. And again, I I hate looking at the score because I don't think the score is a full indication of the way this game was. This was a tough physical game of footy, but the Saints, I think are finally kind of starting to get their groove a little bit.
1: Well, I think that they are, and, and it's great that they, for them, that they've won two in a row. I kind of liken it to something else. I think the footy goddesses owed them one because <laughs> with all of the struggles that they had been going through all the heartbreak this year, um, that they really did benefit from the wins and they benefited from, uh, Geelong's penchant for being completely inaccurate. I mean, kicking zero nine, um, for the match just is not going to get it done. And, uh, it's difficult because I, I was thinking Chloe Shear has been such a valuable player for the Cats, and she had a couple of misses. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then finally, St. Killa got on board the G-Train with Caitlin Greiser, and uh, she and Kate Shearlaw made the difference. So, um, yeah, you're right. It was definitely a, a tough and physical match. And, um, you know, maybe the Saints are starting to pick it up, and they certainly were beset at the beginning of the year by losing so many key players, either to injury or because of uh, noncompliance with the COVID health and safety regulations. They've had a really hard year.
0: Yeah, they, they just, I, as I said, kind of early in the year, I said they kind of come off rudderless when you lose Tiana Smith to the ACL, Georgia Patricios with her decision. Not to get vaccinated. We won't get into that discussion on, on this particular podcast today. But I, I really kind of came in going, they're a little rudderless, but they've had some players step up. Kate McCarthy's come in with her experience, played really, really well. Uh Nicola zenos I think, has really stepped into their spot and really some solidified herself in that midfield for the Saints. So there, there's some positives. For Nick Del Nick Del Santos' girls, so we'll definitely have to see, but a, a, a good win for them again. Not not exactly a flashy game of footy, but a win. A win. It's four points. We jump, and then also
1: too when you're when you're talking about somebody stepping up. How about Tilly Lucas Rod, who's really oh, coming out really the competition?
0: Been, she's definitely put herself into in discussions of all Australian this year for sure. It's, so it's going to be tough. The midfield. Always a difficult one to get into. But yeah, Tilly Lucas Rod, what an incredible player she has been this year. Let's jump up to New South Wales where we see the second game of the round as the Richmond Tigers go on the road. And they get a big eight-point win over the Giants, 46-38. And this Tigers team, again, kind of like your beloved Frio Dockers in the men's competition, has been a team that's been really snake-bitten this year. Injuries and just some difficult spots that they've been able, but they've kind of rebounded again. Mon Conti, again, showing how classy that young lady is. And the Tigers getting a tough, gritty win on the road.
1: Well, the big thing with them was getting Courtney Wakefield back and that Katie Brennan had her foil back, her partner in crime, as it were. And it's really interesting because as soon as she steps back into things, uh, the Tigers had the highest scoring AFLW quarter in the league's history, which stood for all of three hours before Mm -hmm. before Melbourne completely erased that. But this this match kind of went how I thought it would. In that Richmond, despite their being 12th on the ladder going in, are the fifth highest scoring team in the competition, even without Courtney Wakefield and Christina Bernardi. And so, yeah, with Mon Conti uh, doing what she does and Katie Brennan having the outstanding year, you know that they can score. But the problem with the Tigers also has been conceding a lot of points. And the thing about the Tigers, I thought that they would be the most improved team of, in the competition. And unfortunately for them, it hasn't gone that way. They looked really good in their first match against St. Kilda. They hung in there in their second match, but things haven't really gone according to plan. Um, but again, that whole issue about the Tigers conceding so many points, it almost came back to bite them because Cora Staunton decided to take the match into her own hands and she had that little hat trick at the uh, in, in the fourth quarter that nearly pulled it out.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it, she's just an incredible player with, with her skill and ability, just continuing to show that age is just a number. I, I love watching Cora Staunton play. She's absolutely fantastic. But I, I think really, I almost kind of push it down to is if you really look at the way their season kind of nosedive is after they lost Harriet Cordner. When she lost her to ACL tear, their defense has kind of been thrown a loop because she was that stabilizing spot in the back that I think that's been kind of their issue. They've kind of fixed it a little bit, but unfortunately it's just a little too late in the season. We'll jump out to the West. We get our duo of games in Optus stadium and the scoring definitely showed in this game. Uh, And and I'll state uh, exactly, at least in this, in this first game for sure as as several records fall in this one, but I'm going to put this up. I'm not going to take down the Frio Dockers out of the, the flag contendership because this was not the Frio Dockers that we were used to. So many missing players. Kara Bowers is not there. Both the Antonios are not there. You had the, you had the ACL injury to McCa- to one of their players just before this game earlier in training. So this was I, – I almost hate stating it. This was almost a waffle team that played the Melbourne Demons, and it showed because the Demons showed their class, their ability. And, I mean – Taylor Harris with a great game, Daisy Pierce putting up five goals, and the first ever ton put up in the AFLW.
1: Well, that's true. The Dockers are missing seven uh, of their best 16 players, and Michaela Morrison uh, was the player that tore her ACL during training during the week. And those last two, two of the outs that you mentioned, the Antonios uh, and also Amy Franklin, that happened uh, within an hour. Uh, of the bounce, and also Gabby O'Sullivan wasn't uh, was, wasn't able to play because of uh, of COVID health and safety protocols. So you're right, that it, it wasn't it wasn't the Fremantle Dockers that that we know uh, that that showed up. And one positive thing in that was Dana East of the Dockers getting a Rising Star nomination. However, all of that said, in a way, it really has to be looked at in a way. That the Dockers are kind of snake bitten because when all mm-hmm. other teams lost so many players, the match was uh, postponed. And the Dockers were kind of a victim of their own success in a way before the match even started because they had 20 fit players. And if they had had, I believe, um, I'm not sure exactly the number, how, if, they, if, if they had had four other players, if it had just been 16, they would not have been able to, to have played. And so they didn't benefit from how it's from some of the other clubs, how they benefited when matches were postponed. Um, But you're right about, about Melbourne and, and how well they went. And the Dockers were also missing a couple of other players, Janelle Cuthbertson. Um, the All-Australian defender. She's not coming back until round one of the finals because of a broken jaw. And of course, as you mentioned, Kiara Bowers always is going to hurt when you don't have the league's co-best and fairest playing too. But you got to give the demons a lot of credit. They still really tore things apart. And it's interesting because looking at Taylor Harris, who you mentioned, I know that I'm going to be kind of blasphemous here and, and say this, but in footy circles it's always the midfielders who are in the men's competition, winning the Brown lows in the women's competition. They're always winning the uh, coaches best and fairest. But I think you can make a real case that Taylor Harris is the most valuable player of this league because mm-hmm. she is such a difference maker because Melbourne went out and got her to be the missing piece and to, to be that tall forward. Who's always a threat and who always will will do spectacular things. And with Taylor Harris, if you count the number of one percenters that she does with every match, I mean, not only is she a, a tall target and she's the leader in the league in contested marks and in goals, she's already smashed the record for most goals kicked in a home and away season. But if you watch, think about how many times she's doing some things that, as in baseball terms, don't always show up in the box score. She's always attracting the opposition's best defender which frees up her teammates. She's always creating a contest. She's always bringing the ball to ground if she doesn't mark it. And because of her stature, she's also always attracting uh, the odd free kick. And when it's not her getting a free kick, maybe it's somebody else benefiting from a free kick. So she's doing all of those things to really uplift the team, which is something the demons did not have before. They didn't have it last year. They nearly got all the way there. They may take out the flag this year. And I think if they do, that Taylor Harris really probably will not get the votes of the coach association, but she absolutely does belong there because she's just done so many spectacular things this year. And also Lauren Pierce uh, in the Ruck, who's turned herself into an extra midfielder, the way that she's kind of become like the Dean Cox of the, uh, or Corey McKernan uh, of the women's competition. And Melbourne is just loaded with so many players that just do so many great things and they have great depth and it would not surprise me if, if they do take out the flag.
0: Yeah. The, I, I, I stated with a few people, I said, right now, I, I see three teams that are really flag contenders. I see Brisbane, I see the demons and I see the crows. I, unfortunately, I, I think with Frio bitten injuries I, and Collingwood's injuries, I'm just not sure they're there and Norse an Enigma, they, they can be great at times. And then they can be inconsistent. That's my issue is that I see three great teams that are fighting for the flag and then three teams that I, I there are question marks I'm not sure they can answer before the finals and, and, and the, the, the important games when it comes to the finals. But the D- I, would system- agree, I would
1: agree with you. I, w- mm-hmm. I would totally agree with you. And, and the three teams, I would totally agree that the three teams on the outer right now are definitely North, Fremantle, and Collingwood because it timing really hurt the Dockers. Mm -hmm. Because that particular match really made the difference in whether Frio was going to be uh, third on the ladder, fourth on the ladder, or fifth on the ladder. And as it happened, they slid to fifth, and it would take a miracle for them to get back into fourth. And you know, the fourth and and fourth spot, as you and I know, means a guaranteed home final Mm -hmm. in the qualifying round. And but ironically, the Dockers have played better on the road than they have at home because that time that they were in Victoria and had to play all those games over there, that was their most successful period. But I'm, I'm with you. I think that is it out of the realm of the possibility that one of these three teams at the four five and six spots, can they pull off a Cinderella story? They can, but is mm-hmm. it likely? I think it's pretty unlikely that it'll happen, um, but it will make a great story if they're able to pull it off.
0: Yeah. I, I honest, honestly, right now, if, if you twist my arm and said of those three of North Frio and Collingwood, who, who is my most likely, I think they can get to a final. It's the North Melbourne because they haven't had the injuries that Collingwood had. So I think that's my issue there. And with Frio, it's just been, can Kiara Bowers get up to her normal self by the time the finals come going? Because is she going to be available this round or is she going to have her first game back in the finals? And that's a tough game to come back in yes it's Kara bowers she's an incredible player there's no doubt about it but that's a tough game to come back into and, and you've seen it in the men's competition if a team if a player comes back in the finals sometimes they're not up to speed because the finals is a different animal so
1: and that's why i think you have to really rely on the player to to have her tell you where she is at this point because if i'm management and i'm if i'm looking at um Kiara bowers do i want to risk her against gold coast not, you know, not to disrespect Gold Coast, but mm-hmm. Frio are already in the finals. Why, why risk her? Why, why risk her to, to aggravating that knee or making it worse? Or as you're saying, um, if she doesn't get those minutes, if she doesn't get that exposure being out there, uh, then will she be up to speed for finals? So maybe the solution is to manage her uh, for the Gold Coast match and have her play a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's to get, that's exactly why I'm not the coach. I'm not Trent Cooper. Uh, he'll definitely, and, uh, Kiara Bowers will definitely know best about, about how to handle that situation. Yeah. And
0: it all just depends on how she feels. If, if, if she's a little bit leery, if there's any kind of hesitation, sit her, it's sit her, let her recoup, make sure she's fully set for the finals. Yes, you're, you're risking it a tiny bit because you're brand a player coming off an injury in a final, but you've got to be sure that you play it best because, yes, as you said, Frio's in the finals. They're playing finals footy. It's not worth the risk to lose her for the finals just to play her in this game. So I 100% agree with that. At least my personality when I go at it, is, is it I would rather be conservative and have the player then take the risk and, and cost cost that player a chance to play in the finals for sure. So we'll, we'll jump back into this round in, in the second game of the double header in Optus stadium, which I, I'm going to say this right now, that was fantastic to see the girls playing in Optus stadium because I really think it made the footy better because you didn't have the wind distribution issues that you had. And I think the footy was moving a lot better in that surround stadium, which was awesome. And the donkeys really did as they beat the Western coast Eagles, again, just increasing their issues and with a 60 point loss, 68, eight. And to add to the Eagles, ah, just disastrous day as Dana hooker goes down with a, with a shoulder injury and she unfortunately will be done for the season. So worse when, when it rains, it pours, unfortunately in the West.
1: Yeah, and you have to feel for the fans that were out there at Optus. That was an incredibly disappointing doubleheader. I mean, first to see uh, one one of their sides give up the most points in league history and then have the other side threaten not to score at all, uh, really until the, until the fourth quarter. I mean, um, that would have been a, a, a really unfortunate first for the Eagles, having an all-donuts uh, scoreline. And then you're right. I mean, it was insult to injury to see Dana Hooker get hurt uh, at the very end. And the Eagles, unfortunately for them, um, may really be firming their grip on the wooden spoon as things would would, uh, would would go. They have had a really, really tough time of it. I mean, thinking about the times that they were over in, uh, uh, in Victoria and the time that they blew a very big lead to Gold Coast and probably should have won that match. And they've had their own issues with health and safety protocols. So it's, you know, Ross Lyon used the term anis horribilis for the dockers men's 2016 season so for the eagles it's really been like that and uh and and then also too if you're thinking about um what's happening with the men it really may be a double dose i mean thinking about you mentioned before the COVID safety protocols and the uh the decision not to vaccinate and i don't want to go too far into this but looking at the situation with jack darling And, uh, the team, uh, is, is getting older and a lot of people have them as a, as a, as a downward sliding team this year. So tough times, tough times at West coast.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, but I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna flip it and get some smiles out of here too. The doggies again. I'm loving watching this doggies side. This young doggies side has been incredibly fun to watch. Georgia Stathis playing really well in the midfield. Ellie Blackburn again, you superstar, absolutely outstanding. Bonnie Too another great game. So many good games by some young players on this doggies side that I know they're not going to make the finals this year. But if you're a, if you're a doggy supporter, there's a lot to be positive. Wait wait wait, of... wait wait.
1: Hold on a minute. Hold. On in a minute there, there's there's still a chance there's still a chance for the doggies very to make sl- very slim, it's, slim, it, it's slim but um you know you, you think about it crazier things have happened yeah, very Collingwood, true. Collingwood very true. has been inconsistent enough that perhaps maybe an upset could be on the cards richmond playing them this weekend mm-hmm. and you know the doggies already upset adelaide and what had to be i thought the match of the year no um disagreement here I, I don't. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If I were Collingwood, I would not be resting easy that my spot's guaranteed. And you're right yeah. about the doggies players stepping it up. Um, the the woman that I've really had my eye on is really stepping it up is Kirsty Lamb. Oh yeah. Um, you know, in addition to in addition to everybody else. Um, but yeah, she she has been phenomenal, and you really have to give Bunny Too Good a lot of credit for picking up the slack where Isabel Huntington and her injury have have placed her. Um, yeah, the doggies are playing desperate footy and when you play desperate footy and your back is to the wall and you're you're cornered uh just as their song says they've come out snarling and you have to give mm-hmm. them real credit um for stepping up and if not for that draw against gold coast uh they could very well be in sixth place
0: yep. hard to argue that A- another one i put up there now morris dalton has played really really well in in that place of uh of, of um isabel huntington and um, I, I said this in a couple of episodes, uh, and I want to see what you think about this. I think it's a travesty if Christy Liam is not in the All-Australian mm-hmm. uh, with the way she has played this year. I think it would almost be a travesty if she doesn't get in. I, I will have to see. I really think she deserves it. The way she has put the Duggies on her back with Ellie Blackburn and dragged them into the chance to make the finals this year. I, I come on, give her that, give her that nod. She has played incredible footy.
1: She has, but you know, I'll tell you, it is, it's a real crowded field because uh, oh, yeah. I think we're going to see a bunch of new faces in there. I mean, the first one I think of is Ash Riddell uh, mm-hmm. with North leading the competition in average possessions per match uh, Orlo O'Dwyer Dwyer uh, with, with okay. Brisbane, Emily Bates, with uh mm-hmm. with brisbane uh i think also lauren bella with um with gold coast or maybe also um uh lauren pierce with uh with with melbourne they're they're Haley miller maybe there there are just so many different possibilities yeah that's going to be a really crowded field i don't know how i, I don't know how you're going to get a best 16 uh out of this group i mean there's there's this talent galore
0: If it's anything like the men's, they'll flip a few midfielders into those half forward lines just to be able to get more in, which always perturbed me a little bit that you get midfielders that very rarely play forward and they get put in the half back or the half back or the half forward lines, which I'm like, that's all you're doing is telling me that midfielders should be there instead of actual guys that play those positions. So let's, let's not open that. But if
1: they didn't do that in men's, Donnie, how could we have a fantasy league?
0: Uh, I know this. This is that's. It's very, very true. That it, you can't argue that. So, so we'll jump from the west. We'll, we'll head back over. Unfortunately, to Victoria after all of the rains in 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 Brisbane and Queensland in northern New South Wales. That Brisbane was actually forced to fly down to Victoria, even though Maroochydore had dried out of, enough that it sounded like they could have played at Maroochydore. But the AFL wanted to be safe. They moved the game to Victoria at. If I remember correctly, they played at the Western at, at the Western Bulldogs uh, at the Kennel. Yeah, the Oval. At, at the Witten and and Brisbane showed how good they are, beating a very good North Melbourne North Melbourne team fifty to fourteen. And again, these Lions just they're just so darn good. They're fun to watch. Two players break the fifty game moniker in this: Ellie Anderson and Emily Bates, both getting the fifty game moniker for the AFLW. My hat off to you, young ladies. And this Brisbane Lions team—I mean, they're in the finals. They have a chance to—they uh, have a chance to go back to back. What are your thoughts on this
1: one? Well, first of all, for everybody watching this podcast, I think you need to know something because every time Donnie says I take my hat off to them, he never really takes his hat off. He—he he, he t- okay. <laughs> there we go. That's more like it. Okay. A hat tip. But but with with Brisbane, the thing about them that I find really incredible is you can put them in any adverse situation, and it's almost like they crave. Uh, playing in adversity because I still remember last year when they boarded a plane to go down to, uh, to Melbourne and they played Collingwood who were going really well at the time. And I think handed Collingwood its first loss last year. And then Mm -hmm. also came back to beat them in the, um, in the prelim final. So that's not surprising. I think with Brisbane, they've just got so much depth. I mean, if you think about the three clubs that we named, that we think are, are the really ones in the box seat for the, uh, for the flag, they have the most depth and Brisbane, uh, just, they are just stacked with so many good players. I mean, Zimmy Farquharson stepping mm-hmm. up the way you can just see, she is going to be a super talent, right? Courtney hotter on her worst day, looks like she's an incredible player to, to, to watch. So they really have the depth. They've got the talent. So that result didn't surprise me because Brisbane uh, can score and blow a team out. With North, there's still issues there. There's still issues about about scoring. North has a wonderful midfield, but in other areas of the ground, they're not as strong. But Brisbane has a strong spine all the way through. So that, that really did not surprise me to see um, Brisbane get a comfortable win um, as it did. And I think the result would have been the same if they had been playing in Marucci d'Or. it it wouldn't have mattered where they were playing. And you're right. They, they are really, really fun to watch. And um, even though Orlo O'Dwyer didn't play in the match, Mm -hmm. one of the things I really like watching about Brisbane is, is something that I've also noticed about Adelaide is that their players just seem to know where to be, just, just the right spot, where to be, how long to be there, When to leave a defender, when to play, when or when or when I'm sorry, when to leave an opponent, when to stay on an opponent, when to be brave and take the game on and go through the guts, when to use the wings. I mean, they're really, really professionally drilled, and that's very impressive.
0: Yeah, uh, completely and, and, and again it's it was sad not seeing or dwyer because she's such a great player on the wing but but again that brisbane lions team is, is so deep so scary and and the three-headed mo- the three-headed monster of dakota davidson courtney hotter and zimmy Farkelson is is scary to think about how do you defend them because when one if you take one away the other two can get loose so it's oh and
1: then you also left oh, out yeah. jess
0: wardlaw in that kind of too yep well, yeah, and if, yeah, and if so, he
1: goes down you have Jess Wushner. so you you, yeah. you know you've just got an incredible depth yeah. there
0: it, it is what poison do you want to take when it comes to the Brisbane forward line for sure they're gonna they're gonna be a tough tough out we jump to speaking of tough in a game that honestly when when I first saw this unfortunately after Brett Benici went down I was really really worried this was gonna this was going get away from Collingwood and Collingwood and they pulled the bootstraps up and they gave this crows team Everything they could have, and and I almost want to say this, and and I'm not trying to throw shade, but ever since Beck Goddard said, there's no way Adelaide's losing again, this Crows team has not been as consistent as they were earlier in the year. Are we seeing a little bit of the kryptonite to the Superman that is the Adelaide Crows? Or are they kind of ramping it back a little bit and saving that full-fledged foot to the floor for the finals?
1: I would go with the second option. Uh, I think I think they're saving a little bit. I think one of the things that may have cost them in that Western Bulldogs upset was probably underestimating uh, the Bulldogs were going to give them that tough of a fight, and they may have underestimated Collingwood here, uh, although Collingwood played its best match in the round before taking on Adelaide. Uh, Collingwood looked like a completely different side, and I was, I was very surprised because after that first quarter, at, at quarter time, it really looked like same old Collingwood because they were scoreless. But then... The tables were turned and then it was Adelaide that went scoreless in the second quarter. So you got to give Collingwood a lot of credit for, for hanging in there and for um, really giving them a very tough fight. And um, it's interesting too, because I've, I've mentioned Sabrina Frederick in my column and she had really been having a nightmare season until a couple of weeks ago. So Chloe, Chloe Malloy too, for that matter. And then both of them have really stepped up their games and it took some time for them to get their confidence back. Um, but with Adelaide, again, you've got such depth. I mean, they were able to survive so many weeks without Chelsea Randall, and, uh, and then also without Aaron Phillips for a little bit. And um, they just have managed to really step things up. And Ash Woodland, uh, she's being a little overshadowed by Taylor Harris right now. But, you know, Ash Woodland also has uh, been incredibly reliable. She's had a fantastic season. And she also does a lot of things to help her club in the forward line. Um, and then also Ann Hatchard was looking a little proppy throughout the match. But then she was right where she needed to be at the end with 23 touches. And, of course, Ebony Marinoff with 24, as good as she is. Um, that's, that is a really, really, really tough side. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't surprise me to see a rematch of last year's grand final. But then again, we know that Melbourne is going to be right in the hunt of things too. But yeah, but Adelaide, uh, I would absolutely expect them to uh, to to stay on top and get them, they're going to have that armchair ride into the prelim final.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And it, it, as they've stated is who's the number one seed because they're if, as long as they're still there, they are guaranteed to host the grand final. So you're, right now you're looking at Norwood Oval, Casey fields or Marucci door. So it's very interesting, very interesting potential for where the grand final could be. We'll go to the last game of the round in a game that are two inconsistent teams this year in, in a gold coast team that they have that nice little run there in the middle. And they've kind of cooled off a little bit and a Carlton team has come to the opposite. They were disastrous to start the year. Just we're not playing really well. And Mimi Hill, Georgia G, Darcy Vesio, some of their stars have started to play much better footy these last couple of weeks as Carlton gets a big 30 point win over the Gold Coast Suns, 46 16. And, and I almost hate saying it, is that where was this Carlton earlier in the year? Because they are so, they're so, so talented and it just didn't show up earlier in the year. And to, this last few weeks, they've played the way I thought they would at the start of the season.
1: Yeah, Carlton has had a lot of problems getting out of its own way. And uh, also Gabriella Pound definitely deserves a mention for someone who's really stepped up lately too. And the thing that that's really concerning to me about, about Carlton, and I'll get to Gold Coast in a second, but, but Carlton, when Darcy Vessio, when they don't get a lot of touches, uh, things don't necessarily go Carlton's way. And that's the really alarming thing, thinking that maybe the rest of the league was able to figure out a way to calm their influence or was it that Darcy Vesio wasn't getting enough supply. And, you know, I'm not Daniel Harford. Uh, I'm not an AFLW coach. I just play one on TV. Uh, but, um, <laughs> by the way, if any, if any Aussies are watching, that's a reference to a 1980s commercial for headache medicine that the next soap opera started. But anyway, um, here's the thing, though, that I can't understand, Donna. You're a coach, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a forward that's not getting enough touches, you know, I- I'm pretty sure that what I would expect you to do would be to throw that forward into the middle so that they are getting their hands on the ball so that they are involved in the thick of the action. And Darcy Vestio has shown that they can play anywhere. They can play. I mean, last year there was a really dominant game. They had uh, up in the gold coast where they played in the back line to help out. They played forward. They played in the middle. So I don't want to second guess Daniel Harford here, but it seems like there has to be a way to get, darcy vesio more into the match because that is my barometer for Mm carlton if i'm thinking of carlton as darcy vesio goes so go the blues so i'm just wondering there have been too many matches where they have been held to under 10 touches and i I really wonder about that and um so the the result didn't surprise me because carlton have the experience and you got to think that gold coasts um, their morale had to be down over the last couple of weeks. But it's funny because you and I, about a year ago, were having a conversation about Gold Coast and saying that they looked thoroughly unprofessional. They didn't look motivated. They looked like their attention was somewhere else. I mean, I remember that match that they were playing in the Q Clash, and a couple of them were at the center bounce, more interested in their dance moves uh, than they were actually playing the match. Um, But for my money, they're the most improved AFLW side. And I have to give a shout out to Cameron Joyce, who uh, is, is their senior coach. And Cameron and I uh, did a lot of talking together when I wrote my book about Americans playing AFL because he was really largely responsible for signing the Beast, Eric Wallace, when he was at North Melbourne. And so, I mean, Cameron Joyce is a solid footy man and he, he knows how to go about it. And he's I'm going to really give him a lot of credit for helping turn Gold Coast around this year.
0: I, I 100% agree that, that Gold Coast team after last year, not winning a game and a little bit. I'm, I'm also going to say the coaching is good, but I think Sarah Perkins getting an entire season up front, I think has really changed it because you can see the confidence she's instilled in the rest of her teammates. Kate Sermon, um, Tara Bohanna, Kalinda Howith, um, Ahrens, Lauren Bella, as you stated, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of who I left out, um, Charlie Rowbottom. So many players I think have played really, really well this season. A lot of them young. This is a young, young Gold Coast team. This is a team that's going to grow. If they can keep this team together in the next few years, I put them with the Richmond's and the Western Bulldogs that their youth is going to make them better to the point where they're going to be in the playoff spots. And then teams like Adelaide and Fremantle that have a little bit older a little bit, more experienced shall we say older i don't like saying older because again these girls are not massively old Uh, they're older lists so they're not going to stay around the longest period of time so you're going to see a changing of the guard uh, at the top of the table um i would would
1: agree with you johnny especially especially about gold coast uh youth because they've already surpassed richmond we didn't think that they would but they've, they've surpassed richmond in their development and just a note on sarah perkins uh she's a warrior and she mm-hmm. already has a flag under her belt. I mean, this is her third club. And I was really impressed with, uh, with her sending uh, a tweet out uh, apologizing to Gold Coast fans after she missed those two shots, those two gettable shots. And unfortunately, it looks like Sarah Perkins has a little bit of the yips right now. But just for someone to take that pressure and to take that responsibility and accountability, although it's not all her fault, of course, far from it, but she's taking that load off of her younger teammates. And she definitely has found a home up there in Gold Coast. And, um, you know, I'd be remiss if, if we didn't just spend a minute talking about how unfortunate it was that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that some loser decided to, uh, uh, to body shame her, uh, which is it's, it's just disgusting behavior. And, uh, you know, Sarah Perkins doesn't need it. She doesn't deserve it. And is probably already accomplished more in her short AFLW career than that jackass ever will in his life. So I just have to put it out there.
0: And I 100% agree. And and I think it's one of those, I've seen this talk to death, and I, I state it like this is that if she wasn't in peak physical condition, if she wasn't able to do it, she wouldn't be on the field. So the comment is literally it's the ignorance to personification, it's probably somebody that to be completely honest with you, didn't watch the game, doesn't watch the game, doesn't know what they're talking about. They took one quick look and they made an assessment and they have no idea what they're talking about. This is the common quote, tell me you don't know what you're talking about without telling me. That's literally what that quote did. Now, I wanna rewind really quickly before before we jump to our next topic and go back to Carlton a little bit. Um, I, I, I want to say this. I completely agree with you. And, and I stated this a little bit with Collingwood, a little bit with Chloe Malloy. I almost want to see them take Darcy Vessio and put them in the Jake Stringer role that, or the dusty Martin role, put them, put them in the midfield and then let them shift forward as play goes on because you're going to make defenses panic because they're either going to have to pass the defender off. Or that midfielder is now going to have to play defense, which they're not normally used to doing. Most midfielders, even the AFLW, are not used to playing defense. So it's going to cause some issues. And I saw Chloe Malloy and Culling would do this to perfection in, in the game a couple of weeks ago, where she would start off in the center bounce and then would be able to leak into the forward line later on in the play. So I'd almost love to see coach for for Carlton do that a lot more. Get Darcy Vessio into the center square. Yes, you may have to sacrifice a Georgia G or a Matty the into the half forward line and then have them switch places as play goes to kind of make the defenders make a decision because you can maybe get a, uh, get a cross up on the defense. Now Darcy Vessio's leading with nobody to stop her. It's, it's a fun little tactic. It's not easy. It takes a lot of practice, but if done correctly, it can be damaging if you can get that confusion amongst the defensive team. So I, I agree yeah. with you. Darcy Vessio has got the ability to do it. I want to see, great superstars like that have success but unfortunately she's almost kind of become a plug or locket for carlton she's in the goal square and that's about it she's not able to make the sorry i apologize they have not been able to make the impact that they have always been able to do when she they get the supply that they need my apologies i I totally agree
1: I i totally agree because um I saw at least two matches last year where Darcy Vestio really dominated proceedings. One was against North and the other was against Gold Coast. And that versatility really came into play. And I guess the nearest frame of reference I have to that kind of versatility would be Matthew Pavlich. Mm. Um, The fact that he played, he was a defender, he was a midfielder, and he was a great goal kicking forward toward the end of his career. And I think cosmetically too, For AFLW, for for its ability to attract fans and keep fans, those players have to be in the spotlight. So for my money, yes, Darcy Vesio has to be getting more than single-digit touches per match. And fans need to to see their ability being showcased. Mm -hmm. Um, I I still remember the first ever AFLW match in history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Darcy Vesio was front and center, and that caught my attention. And that, you know, seeing players really shine in those roles. That's the way AFLW, that's one of the ways that AFLW is definitely going to grow and, and, uh, and, and keep fans. So, yeah, I, it's, kind of, it's kind of mystifying. I, I don't know why that's happened. And I can only hope that their role will, will increase uh, as time goes on. I will,
0: we'll just again. It, time will only tell on that one. So that is going to do it for round nine. And again, very interesting rounds and some some very lopsided matches, but it, it's still an interesting round of footy. You still had some close games. So we are going to go into it before we get into our tips. A huge rumor. I, I this has not been 100 percent confirmed by anybody, but this has literally had AFL circles talking their tails off. And I and I really want to do this because before we even hopped on the mic, Gil and I started discussing this, and I, I love the discussion, so I want to bring it on to the under the podcast. Is there are rumors now, again, not confirmed, but there are rumors that the AFLW season for next year with the four new teams along with the teams that are playing currently will begin in august so very short spin from the end of this season to next year and i got to ask you i know you just kind of found out about this early and it's it's always difficult to kind of come up with an opinion but i i've got a few reservations about this i i in the long run this may not be this may not be the worst decision I just feel that this decision was not exactly done the way I would have done it. It feels rushed to me. What are you, what are your thoughts?
1: It it might seem to be that way. I mean, let me go out there by saying that that if this is a decision that women of the league are making, then, you know, I'll definitely support that decision. Not that my opinion matters much on this, but I think it has to come from the women themselves Um, This is certainly not something I think should be mansplained by, by any male consultants to the league. Um, But the first thing I thought about when I saw an August possible start date is that that means that you've got those 13 players who have done their knees, who have torn their ACLs, that would not in any way be ready to play uh, by August because they're pretty much missing the entire rest of the calendar year and going into next year. So if you make that decision, there are a whole bunch of visible stars that are not going to be that are not going to be playing. Plus, you've got four new teams coming into the competition, which in itself is quite a lot because that talent pool is going to be thin. You've got, all, you know, four clubs and there, are even rumors that I don't know if you if you've read them, but rumors about Matty Praspakas going to uh, Essendon. Um, you know, that, that's another strong rumor that, that's going on. And you couldn't blame her if a club out there says, hey, come to us and we'll make you captain and all that. But anyway, that's another conversation. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of research that has to be done first and a lot of polling. Because on its face, if you do have a situation in which, let's say, AFLW matches are played as curtain raisers before men's AFL matches, you do have the captive audience. You're playing, as you said, Donnie. On, uh, on, on elite grounds, not community grounds, not suburban grounds, where there's going to be more free-flowing footy and the quality of play will probably be higher because you don't have the winds impacting as much. Um, and theoretically, you'd have fewer games played in, in, in extreme heat, except with those four new teams you're bringing into the competition, that's going to lengthen the schedule. So inevitably you are going to get into that situation where you're playing uh, over the summer. And um, I know earlier you were saying that you're not uh, old enough to remember this as an old man like me is, but I remember the United States football league uh, gridiron uh, when a, uh, a certain, certain former (laughs) one-term president uh ruined that league by deciding to go head to head with the NFL and enough, he kind of bullied his way into that position. And then as soon as and the season never got off the ground and the league died. Um, but then again, as you and I have talked about, an Australian audience is different from an American audience. But also thinking of the players, thinking of those players who unfortunately still have to work full-time jobs with full-time employers. I don't really think it's going to be a great situation for someone to go in and, says, and, and say, unless they've got their own business, well, hey, boss, uh, got to tell you, um, I really want to keep my job and all of that. But guess what? I'm going to have to actually now start training earlier. And that means our season starts in August, which means, and the season's going to be longer, so I might not be completely available all the time. So I think you're right. I think, I, I think you're right in terms of, it's seeming like it's rushed. It's got to be well thought out. Um, you know, I've never run a sports league, but I don't know that I would have brought in four new teams in one year. I might have phased it in to maybe do two one year and two the next. Um, but then again, you know, I don't want to mansplain. I I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm confident that, that the women there who are running things know what they're doing, but I hope they're not pressured too much by the AFL's men's side. And as you and I were talking about too, I hope that it's not pressure coming from the players because the players as skilled as they are, they've never run a league before. And as we talked about, I teach high school age kids and we're about to lift our mandatory uh, mask mandate. And, uh, but, but still masks are strongly recommended. Does that mean the teenagers know best about what the, about what their health ought to be? No, it doesn't. So not to put the women who are players in the same category, but, um, you know, it, it's kind of like what Ross Lyon said a long time ago about letting the cobblers do the cobbling and and hoping they make their make a decision that's going to be for the overall benefit of the league.
0: Yeah. It, it, I've I've had I've had a few discussions on online with a few people. And again, I've I I I think there's there's two different things that I think a lot of people think should be adversarial, but they're not. Um, am I happy that the league is potentially being played in August? Yes, because I think it will improve. The over I think it'll improve the overall skills because you won't have the affection the effect of the heat and you won't have the hard you won't have the hard grounds that you are going to during the summer, especially with more cricket pitches potentially being an issue. But I am very, very concerned that this was just kind of this was they saw a few articles like Libby Birch's article saying she wants to play in the winter that they had they interviewed Darcy Vesio and they asked, they asked them what they thought, and they also said they want to play in the winter. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the girls wanting to play in winter, and this is not me mansplaining, but this is me asking a couple of questions. And, and I and I've stated this a few times on this podcast. I said one of the biggest complaints I have about the AFLW coverage, and this is coverage, this isn't the, the product, this isn't the players, this is the coverage it does not get the media attention that I believe it deserves. And I understand cricket is huge at this time period. You had the winter, you had the winter Olympics because of the fact that you've got a different hemisphere. They, there've been a lot of things that have been in the way of this AFLW season, but even when they don't have some of those things, the coverage is not there. And that is what I am worried about is if you go full on, Oh, curtain razor of women's games followed by men's, meaning both leagues are playing at the same time. I am worried this league will not grow because it will not get the proper coverage that it has. This is not me mansplaining. This is a concern I have because Ooh. I love this product. I love the women's game. It is so much fun because these girls are genuine. They have not been media trained to the point. They give us these whitewashed answers that the men do. I love their personalities. I love that they are independent women. They know what they want. They know what they they've decided, but I'm worried that they're asking for something that may cost them their league. I, I, I brought this topic up to one friend, you and I live here in the States. Remember the women's professional soccer competition that folded because they try to grow too quickly.
1: Yeah, That's you know yeah. what I'm
0: worried about with the AFLW.
1: Well, and you know, let me say something too about this, which is, um, as someone who covers AFLW, as I do for Footyology, you know, I feel privileged to cover an elite league. These are the best female players in the world playing playing in this league. So I, I feel very privileged to to, to cover it. Um, and it's easy for for us in the states to. To want it to continue when it does, because um, we don't have the the cricket season, uh, although some people would say, well, there's the NFL season and there's um, uh, there's the NBA season and and all of that. Um, I'm wondering if there's maybe a middle ground. I'm wondering if maybe the answer is to start maybe the week after the men's grand final. Uh, maybe you know, that's early spring in Australia, but uh, or maybe they start it during, uh, final season? Or do they want to launch the season, maybe have the men have that bye week after that last preliminary final and before the grand final? Maybe there is some kind of happy medium there. And because um, that, that also might reduce some extreme uh, temperatures and in, in, in games and all that. And, you, and I think you make a really good point about the hard grounds, that that could be a factor. And then here's something else that you mentioned too. I don't know how any television provider would work in that many games men and women's because it's already a real big challenge right now with the uh, with the community series for the men's and for the ongoing uh, AFLW season. So that's wh- that's one thing that that's that's really a, a difficult challenge. I will argue with you for w- with you on one point though. That's I, nice. think, I think it is beautiful that women in the league are becoming really good media figures because I I don't know of any other major league that has active players be commentators on matches and and they sound like they are naturals at doing it Mm -hmm. um you know, you've you've got uh Katie Brennan doing some common commentary. You've got uh some other Kate, players from our league, Ellie Kate, Blackburn.
0: Kate, M- Kate, McCarthy, Kate McCarthy, Isabel is Huntington, Ellie Blackburn, Sarah, yeah. uh, Sarah Hoskins. I love that. I let, let me let me kind of rephrase that. I don't think I don't think it's it's not that the women I think it's it's the it's the, it's the, the newspaper articles, it's the anal like think about this. If if you go and you and I have uh watch AFL for the US for the for the Aussies, we have Watch AFL, which is our international Thing we get all of the fox footy channels so we get afl 360 afl tonight we get the couch we get the bounce where is that for the women there is no if you think about it afl tonight just came back two weeks before the season comes back now so that means there's no afl tonight for the entire women's season there's no analysis show at the end of the year besides the women's afl show and it's 20 minutes and it's only on the app it's not a a syndicated on fox so my more of argument is that it's 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 newspaper articles it's analysis shows it's giving them more than just here's your game here's a two-minute blurb after the game is over before we move on to something else like if you watch a men's game there's an hour of extra coverage after the game is over in a women's games it's they play the song what do you think about this insert kate mccarthy isabel huntington da 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 Coverage over. There's no analysis of the game after that. That's, I think that's more of what I'm talking about. It's the extra stuff besides the game and the little blurb at the end. I want more articles, more shows. Like if you start doing that, people are going to start watching the product. People are going to start coming to the games. You can start charging tickets, even at the the community grounds, which I actually kind of like them at that, because it does, yes, yes, it does change the game a little bit. I completely understand that, but it keeps the game more community and family based, which I think is great. Before it becomes the big thing that I think everybody wants it to be, just like the mens, where it's mm-hmm. Optus Stadium, the MCG, uh, it's it's the Sydney Kicker Ground, it's Brisbane, it's the the Gaba. Like if all the games are played there. I mean, right now, if you take the 2000 or 3000 people that are in that, it's gonna swallow them up. But you go to the community grounds, 5,000 people, that's a sellout for those for those community grounds. So it looks really, really good as a developing league. And, and that's, like I said, my more worry is, is that this thing is going to be stifled and stagnate if it goes at the same time as the men. I completely love your idea and I've been advocating late August, early September, when the men's final, because there's only eight teams to make the finals. So you have the other 10 disenfranchised groups that are not going to that may not watch the finals. Now they've got the women's game. Now they can they can hop on the women's team. They can watch their women play because their men are done. So, and like, I love that idea. It gets the girls more free space. They don't have to worry about cricket. They don't have to worry about the men's. They're playing, so the fans can focus on that. So is, does that make sense?
1: It does. And then one of the things that also annoys me too, when whenever the men, whenever the men's competition does return, that the advertising slogans and things that are built around is this tagline "footy's back." back. Well, no, 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 it's not back. It's been back since January. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, or, or people saying. Uh, well, I can't wait for, uh, you know, my, my friends who are Fremantle fans saying, well, we can't wait till the Docker season starts. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? It's been going on since January. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the women are playing, this is what's happening. And it's funny, Donnie, because as someone who like me, who was an assistant baseball coach for a high school and someone who was born and raised on baseball, who loves baseball, can you believe this? I'm not even really missing Baseball because of the lock. I'm not even thinking about it because we've got uh-huh. AFLW and we've got the AFL men's, and I am one of the biggest baseball fans you'll ever meet. But um, maybe it's because we're on this side of the hemisphere and the times line up, and I'm also doing this because uh, it's part of my professional responsibility to cover this league. But you know, I can honestly tell you that there's only been one match this year, AFLW match, that I haven't watched live. Uh, I have watched them all. I mean, I feel like that's my duty when, it, when, I, when I cover the league. And I had a quadruple header the other night that started at 6, ended at 2 in the morning, and I still was finalizing my column. Um, but I do that because I really I believe in the league. I, I like it. It's entertaining. I think there are many fascinating um, pieces about this league. I mean, just the way that, uh, that, that women relate to each other and socialize on the field and, and, and communicate is so different from the men. And, and, you know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I I think it's one of the beauties of it, that it's played differently, that you have two fewer players on the field, that, um, that there is a lot more run and carry than there is the, these, uh, than aerial ping pong um, that sometimes can happen in in AFL men's. Um, But, you know, the only thing is too, is if they do decide to go and and play this during the men's season. The one thing that I'd be concerned about is that they do have the captive audience and that they don't have the fans that are saying, well, you know, the reason why I don't watch AFLW is that, you know, that's cricket time for me. So maybe there is a happy medium to to do that. I know that um, one of the AFL men's things that's been really good is actually lengthening the season for a calendar year because I never really consider the men's season to be well and truly over because of trade period, because of the Brownlow, because, uh, well, actually the Brownlow is part of grand final week, but, but the trade period, the draft, all those things lengthen the season. And I think hopefully we'll get to a point where AFLW becomes that. And who knows, maybe there's room to create content. Maybe there needs to be a Fox Two channel. Uh, that would take on some of this programming and have those analysis shows as you're talking about having an AFL 360 that would focus on the women's game uh, and other kinds of things like that. Maybe bounce, maybe, and I love bounce. My wife and I are huge fans of bounce Mm -hmm. work some more of the, of of the things that happen in bounce into um, uh, into that show. Um, You know, I remember when uh, Sharni Norder was one of the, uh, one of the hosts of bounce when she was with Collingwood, which was a, a, a nice, a nice addition that it wasn't a boys club. So um, it's a challenge because I think as much as we want to see change occur, that patience sometimes is a virtue. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, not all the time, because think about it. uh, When the league started in 2017, there were some that didn't want to start it in 2017. They wanted to push back for later. I'm glad that they did start it in 2017, but no league is perfect. Every league has issues. But, um, you know, you and I are both on the same page. We want to see this league uh, survive in perpetuity.
0: Mm-hmm. And one 100% agree. In fact, so kind of going off of that news is I just received my membership pack from the AFL Swans a couple of days ago. And I, I very proudly have my AFLW Foundation membership. I have my certificate with me. I'm going to get it framed. It's going to go up on the wall. I'm so happy for this. And for me, it is a point of pride for me. I, I don't do this coverage because it's a burden. I do it because I love the the sport. I cannot wait. I I know I'm part of that group that I want my swans so bad. I'm willing to take a few years of them probably not playing real well, but to be able to see the swans in the league and to be able to, to, to grow the sport in the long run, I think is going to be beneficial. I think I've stated this a couple of times is that the, the naysayers, it's not good footy. I'm like, no offense, but Go back to the AFL when it was only six years old. Trust me, it's probably just as good, if not even this AFLW league is better than 1899 or 1900 when it was six years old. So calm your jets a little bit, let this grow. It's going to take a little bit of time, but when it does, and when these girls become fully professional, and I, I really pray for that day to come very, very soon, when it does, trust me, this game's going to get so much fun to watch you're going to miss it you're going to miss watching this and getting on this train now so and and think
1: about what the originators who uh uh, created (laughs) (laughs) exactly go back a few thousand years uh you know what would they say about about where this game and donnie i hate to do this to you but i gotta one-up you right here okay your membership this is my certificate of being a 10-year member of the free metal dockers awesome. so that is yeah fantastic. I, I, and and so yes it, it is suitable for framing and very shortly i will i will get that get that framed. i can't believe it's been 10 years
0: but it's but it's an incredible it's incredible it's an incredible feeling um i'm i think 2016 so mine's coming up here in a couple of years will be 10 years and i'm I, I have as i've told most of the swan's friends that i've met and i've i've got swan's memorabilia that's come from in fact this the, my, the Swans Indigenous Guarantee came from, from a fellow Swan supporter in Orange in, in New South Wales. So And I, mm-hmm. I love all of the communications that I have I, I, to go off that. My thoughts are with the people of northern New South Wales with all of the flooding. I, I've kept in touch with many friends there that have been affected by the floods. Nobody's injured, nobody's hurt. But my thoughts go out to you people in, in South Queensland and northern New South Wales that hopefully these floods are soon to be done. And that the recovery can be quick. So let's we'll go from the negative, we'll jump to it. Round 10, the the ultimate, the, the last round of the year. And as we kind of stated, only one spot in the final is up for grabs. And that is who gets the sixth spot. Is it Collingwood? Is it the Duggies? We'll have to see. So let's jump through our tips really, really quickly. GMHBA Stadium Friday night sees the cats, host the Giants. Who do you fancy in this one, Gil?
1: I fancy the Giants in this one. I would like to fancy Geelong in this playing on their home deck, their last match of the season, but you can't win if you can't score. And I, I would feel a lot better about Geelong's chances had they kicked reasonably accurately uh, in that one because GWS also can put up some very low scores. Um, but as we and I have talked about, Coris Staunton is a difference maker. And if she, when she's up and about, She carries that team. Uh, The Giants did suffer that loss with uh, with Elise Parker because she's uh, gone with concussion. Um, But they're a little bit more experienced for my taste. And I definitely see GWS winning this one. All
0: right. And for me, I'm going to go the opposite way because I think that Elise Parker injury, I think is going to affect that midfield. And Cora Staunton needs delivery because when she in the games that she's had to push up and she's had to go into the midfield or have had to come up to help out, her defense that has really cost them scoring a little bit because because she runs out of legs early in the in the third quarter and I think Geelong with that midfield Georgie Pasparkis they have still pr- got a pretty good team there I'm gonna go Geelong at home here I'm gonna go a little bit of the upset here I I, th- I agree with you I think the Giants in all if you look at their list is probably a better list but that loss of Elise Parker I think is a is a, a really hurtful, damaging loss that I think could really, really affect their midfield a lot because she is a ball ball. She gets the ball all the time. Her and and, uh, Alicia Eva are two absolutely fantastic midfielders and they work off each other. Her not being there, I think may affect this midfield enough then I think it could let Georgie Prasparkas and some of that, that young midfield of Geelong have a a fun day. And and Chloe Shear, I think she has a bounce back game in this one. I think she kicks a couple of goals and I think the the cats win this one, but I agree with you. This one was a coin flip for me because GWS does have a lot more experience from there. Let's jump to the next game, which again, this is the one Collingwood needs this one at home, Victoria park, Collingwood, Richmond, I like the pies in this one only because I think Frederick and Chloe Malloy are going to give this inexperienced um, rav- injury-ravaged Tigers defense headaches. Yes, they're without Brick Benici. Uh, Steph Chiawchi has not been herself. She's fought through injury. But I think Chloe Malloy gets put in the midfield a lot more this, this round. I think her her and Mon Conti are going to have a nice little fun – it's going to be a fun competition in the midfield. I just think – Ruby Slicer is an incredible off the halfback. And I think that's going to cause Richmond a few issues. So I'm going to go with Collingwood on this one.
1: I'm going to agree with you. I, I don't see Collingwood losing this. They're playing there. As I mentioned before, they're playing de- desperate footy. Uh, they've been backed into a corner. They know that they have to win this to keep spot number six. And uh, Richmond, I just don't think has the cattle to to match Collingwood in this one, as they say. Um. Yeah, I would I would say that Collingwood... Will win this? I think that Richmond could possibly give them a scare, but I don't see Collingwood losing this.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be definitely interesting one. That that'll be because Collingwood drops that one. All discussion of the, all 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 discussion of the finals becomes that much more interesting. We jump out down to Arden Street where where North Melbourne take on the West Coast Eagles. I don't think I'm jumping off too high a limb to go. I would not want to be West Coast in this game because you have a very angry North Melbourne team who did not play as well as they should against Brisbane. They always play well at Arden Street. I got the ruse in this one.
1: Well, unfortunately, the West Coast Eagles are kind of going to be that proverbial batch of cookies because you're going to have to get out the wooden spoon. Uh, I I do not see them uh, giving North much of a fight in this. Uh, You know, no Dana Hooker. That's really big. Mm-hmm. And uh, North just has too many guns blazing in this one, and they're, they're at home. I think this one is going to be really lopsided. And the ironic thing, too, is I think that it'll also really uh, really cost Fremantle that, uh, that fourth spot. I cannot see North, – North would definitely build its percentage in this match, mm-hmm. and that would distance themselves enough from Fremantle where North cements that fourth spot. So I'm going to say North by a lot.
0: Yeah, this is that want to be fun. Well, jump down to the the fortress that is Casey Fields, where the Melbourne Demons host the Carlton Blues. Uh, can Carlton put a scare into the Melbourne Demons going to the final, or do the do, do the D's just keep rolling and go into the finals on a nice little hot streak?
1: Not only do the D's keep rolling, but Taylor Harris is going to have a field day against her old side. Uh, I I just don't uh in any way see Carlton giving them much of a fight I mean Melbourne doesn't even need to play that hard they've pretty much locked in spot number two but they could challenge for top spot if something should befall Adelaide and um and plus they've got that long winning streak at Casey Fields no one has been able to solve uh, no opponent has been able to solve uh, problems at Casey Fields I just see Melbourne really winning very comfortably here
0: yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I, I think Carlton will give him a little, it, give him a few headaches, but Lauren Pierce, uh, that Lauren Pierce uh, Bree Moody matchup in the Ruck is going to be fun because that I, I this could be your little tester. Who's your Ruck? For the for the for the All Australian, Lauren Bella may have a little bit of a discussion in that, but I think those are the three that I think are really looking at being your your talk for the the Australian rock. There, I think Pierce gets it. I think she's just had such a great year this year. Uh mm-hmm. Melbourne wins this one. I agree. I think Melbourne kind of wins this one big. We jump to RESEA Stadium for the St Saint Kilda Saints hosting the Adelaide Crows, and this is okay, we're going to see a run of this one. I, I just. I, I feel sorry for the Saints that, that you get this Crows team that they need to keep a percentage to keep themselves in just the right spot. I think Crows and Crows big.
1: Me too. And the Crows play best when they play angry. And uh, they've got a lot of reason to be angry. They, they haven't really been the, their complete dominant selves uh, the, the, last, um, the last round or even the round before. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think what they're going to be doing is looking to shape themselves into firm finals form here uh i can easily see the crows running the saints off the park in this one Mm
0: -hmm. which which yeah you wouldn't surprise me at all we jumped down to Mars stadium in ballarat correct where the the western (laughs) brown it'll be a very fun one to see the western bulldogs take on the brisbane lions this is one i i seriously did think a tiny bit about giving the doggies the run because the doggies have been playing well but this Brisbane team, they're just so good. I think this is going to be a cracking. This could be one of the best games of the round because because you got a doggies team that they're playing for pride in this one. They're not going to roll over. Pardon the pun there. I, not that was not intended at all. I, I think oh, Brisbane yes, wins was. this one, but I think this is this is going to be a good game in my opinion.
1: It will be. And it's going to be interesting to see based on what the result is of that Collingwood Richmond match that either they're going to be playing for pride or, or playing for complete desperation. But I have to say the Ballarat round, I have a special soft spot for because that's the scene where I start the book. Um, and that is where on a very uh, on a very uh, blustery spring day, I went out to see where Eric Wallace was doing his work in his quest to join the kangaroos. So beautiful town. You should definitely get there. And it's great for the town of Ballarat, footy-loving community, and all. Um, I do see the Lions winning this. I just, I just feel like the Lions are too good. Uh, it, it'll be a, an entertaining match, and all credit to the Doggies because they've played with pride, they've played with passion. Um, but Brisbane are just too deep, they're too strong, and uh, they'll get, they'll definitely get the chocolates
0: you hate, you hate saying it, but the person with the surname is, is might be on the wrong team on this one. They're just too good, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> so, so again, um, I, with this last with this last game of the round, I, I got to say this, I, I kind of want to caveat this one because if this game was being played at Metricon stadium, I'd have really looked at gold coast in this one, but I'm going to tip Frio. it's, it's at Fremantle overall. I think, I think the Dockers win this one because I think just the inconsistency of this Suns team, but If I'm the Dockers, I'm a little worried about this Suns team because if if they play the way they can, they're going to give you a test in this one, especially with no guarantee that the Bowers is going to be back. I I haven't heard anything. Do you happen to know are the Antonio, both the Antonios, are they going to be able to play after health and safety protocols? Uh, I'm going to tip Freo in this one, but I'm kind of going in blind because I I don't know how many are going to be back from that depleted roster that played against the these?
1: Well, that's the biggest caveat It's how many players is Fremantle going to get back? Because they could get up to, uh, up to seven back. But uh, I do, my mail says that um, Fremantle is going to hold out on Janelle Cuthbertson until finals round one. Uh, Anya Tig has done a tremendous job in her place mm-hmm. um, in, in the back line, another Irish woman. Um, but yeah, you, you really have to wonder about this because the Saints, I agree with you, when the Saints are playing their best, they can put a lot. Of, they can put a real scare into some of the top teams in the competition. Um, I really would believe that if the Dockers only get one or two from these seven back, then I think Gold Coaster are, are honestly a chance. Um, but I, I am going to tip Frio, but I'm going to tip them by a narrow margin. I don't see this being, uh, being a blowout of any sort of the imagination. And then plus the other thing, too, is this is the last match of the round. And by this time, it might be impossible for Fremantle to advance higher than the number five spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really, that minimizes the need to take a lot of risks here and to play uh, all-out desperate footy. Uh, if I'm Fremantle, I'm looking to conserve my strength and looking to get people back healthy. And they have the luxury Fremantle do is, even if it does lose to Gold Coast, they're still in the finals. So, And they're still likely um in the fifth spot so uh i I would have to say it's going to be a narrow victory for Fremantle, but there are going to be a lot of question marks when finals start having you know we've, we've been through them about playing on the road how many how many of the girls are going to be available to them so yeah i i think that this could go one of two ways it's either going to be the thing where everybody left them for dead or and wrote them off and they rose to the occasion or they succumbed to too much too soon at the wrong time 100%
0: 100% agree. And crazy enough, that is going to be round 10. And the next time we have a podcast, ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be talking about the six teams in the finals. And how we see it, Gil. Thank you again for joining me. It's always a pleasure talking footy with you. It's absolutely a blast. I know you try not to not to show your your free to your Frio fandom too much, but you want to know what I love it about you. I love your articles. They're absolutely fantastic reads. Great information. If I don't see all of the game, they're, they're a great way to get some information on the game before I do these podcasts. So again, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Well, it's my pleasure and nothing beats uh, anything like this after a faculty meeting, which is to get on and talk footy, faculty meeting at my school. Not that those are bad things, but you know, it's a great tonic to come home and be able to talk footy with someone who's so into it like yourself.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then the best part is for you and I, is we have a fantasy draft for the men's coming up this weekend so we had we had a few technical difficulties come through it so this sunday we will be doing our draft I'm, i'm looking forward to having some fun conversations again with with the the 12 the 11 other gentlemen besides myself that are in the league and, and a bunch of footy heads over here in the states so um it'll be fun so you're looking at you.
1: my war room you're looking at my
0: my draft <laughs> I have right I here. haven't seen anything I haven't seen anything <laughs> trust me I I I I with those kind of drafts I don't put I don't put a ton of stock into it because you just with, with a combination of potential auto drafts and somebody just decided to grab superstars, you just never know. So you could sit here and you could sit here for hours and, and put together a mock draft and two, two picks into it. Well, there goes. The whole thing, but,
1: but so. don't you want to outsmart everybody? Don't you want to be <laughs> the one that a couple of guys who do so well and no one else either thought to pick them or, or you, you might display some kind of knowledge that somebody else doesn't have. And you, and you get them? that's kind
0: of cool. I, last year was the first ever time I played and I, 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 we, I won the grand final over, over Lee, your, your good friend, the doctors. Yes, yes. we were, we were the top, we were the top two team the entire season. And he beat me in both the regular season games. And I nipped him in the grand final because of Jake wow. Stringer. Like I legitimately, I picked him up with three rounds to go and he he drug my rear end through the, through the finals. I I kid you not his, his run those last five games was literally the reason that I won the entire thing. So I, I joke with Lee all the time. I go, I, I, if we had a trophy, I'd probably still give it to you because you, you were the better team in the long run. I got lucky in the grand final day, plain and simply. I, I, don't even lie to myself. I got lucky to win that final. So I, I, I take, but it was a lot of fun and, and it's great to communicate and you get to learn new players a lot too, which mm-hmm. I thought was absolutely fascinating. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, this has been another AFLW round review. I know we've we kind of went on tons of different topics here, but that's just, Gil and I, when we get going, we get going. It's so much fun. So we will be back next week with the start of the finals. We cannot wait. AFLW. We love the footy. Have a wonderful night, Gil. And we will see you again, ladies and gentlemen, next week.